Welcome to the Eat More Barbecue Podcast. I'm Ryan Sanderson, and every week I lead you through the world of Alberta barbecue and beyond, bringing you stories of the amazing people in and around the barbecue culture. This podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen in. I appreciate the gift of your time, and I hope I can entertain you for a little bit. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe on your favorite podcatcher, and I'd love it if you'd leave a rating and review. And now, on with this week's show. Hello, everybody, and thanks for being a part of the Eat More Barbecue family. This is episode number 123, and we're taking a bit of a step away from barbecue with this week's guest, but as always, I do manage to work a bit of food talk into the conversation. When Lars Callio was just a young child, his parents and their band had a song hit the Billboard country charts. He spent the next decade or so growing up on the road as they toured Canada. So it is no surprise that Lars was drawn to the entertainment industry and the stage. It wasn't until his early 20s, though, that he realized his passion was for comedy and not music. From his first open mic night in Edmonton to opening for and touring with superstars like Martin Short, Jeff Fogsworthy, Roseanne Barr, and Joan Rivers, Lars has carved out a nice career for himself. When COVID-19 hit this past spring and he found himself itching to get on stage, he started the Fire Pit Comedy Tour doing small, socially distant, and safe backyard shows all around Alberta. Lars is a great guy, obviously funny, and I had a great time chatting with him. I hope you enjoy his story coming up in just a couple of minutes. Do you have a barbecue or cooking gadget that you would like to have reviewed on the podcast? I'm looking to do more product reviews on the show, so get in contact with me via social media or by email at eatmorebarbecue at gmail.com. This episode of the Eat More Barbecue podcast is brought to you by our friends at the Alberta Forest Products Association. Here's a message from them to you. Alberta's forests matter to all of us. That's why Alberta's forest industry works to keep them sustainable now and for future generations. By planning 200 years ahead, helping control the spread of fire and disease, and planting and nurturing two trees for every one harvested, we keep our forests standing strong. To learn more about how our forests take care of us and how we take care of them, visit loveabforests.com. Visit www.loveabforests.com for more info. All right, everybody, we are back. Another episode of the podcast, a little different uh Guests this week are stepping outside of the barbecue world, and I've got from Edmonton, Alberta, comedian Lars Callio. Lars, welcome to the show. How are we doing today? Yeah, I'm very well. No, thanks for having me. Excellent. Uh, a little bit of, uh, bit of background, bio information. Edmonton, originally home for you? Well, I was born in Fort St. John, so I was born in northern yep. British Columbia, but I only lived there till I was five. My parents had a hit country song. And we toured with the band for the next eight years of my life. So oh, wow. we lived, yeah, we lived in hotels for, uh, for about eight years. So from the time I was six till, till about 13, I was just living in hotels all over mostly Western Canada, but we toured East coast all over as far North as Yellowknife. So all over the place. Interesting. That's a little bit of a different upbringing, I would imagine than, uh, what most of us are used to. Yeah, I think and when you're a kid, you just don't. You just assume everybody's don't know, yeah. on the radio. It <laughs> just is what it is. So, so there was mm-hmm. no, you know, this, the, it, I didn't. I didn't think about it because I didn't have any sense of normalcy. So, sure. And what? Uh, what's the the band or the act or the song or? Uh, the song was part time country star. So okay, charted on Billboard. Yeah, it did really well for them. And, yep. um, you know, they were musicians for, you know, dec- decades before that, but of course, that was yep. that kind of broke them. And then, uh, the band was called Colombian gold rush. So, okay, nice. Yeah. 
Right on. That's a little interesting. So the entertaining kind of comes naturally to you then, I guess. Yeah. You know, there's some pictures of my mom. She was the she was the drummer on the record but she played bass when the band toured so there's pictures of my mom drumming when she was pregnant with me and then there's pictures of me on stage when i was three years old or seven years old you know grew grew up on stage so there's as far as being on stage yeah it was part of my life for so long i it was never a thought right that's interesting and then uh 13 moved into edmonton then or yeah, so they settled just outside of just outside of Edmonton near Devon on a on an yep. acreage, and I went to uh, one year of school at Grimenia Community School, which is like a rural school just outside of Edmonton, and then okay. went to high school in Spruce Grove. So right on, you know, went to Spruce Grove for a bunch of years, and then yeah, so it was uh, in and around Edmonton. Went to university starting in '94, and was, have been here like living in Edmonton since '94. Awesome. Well, before we get into the a little more into the comedy thing, a uh, question I've started asking my guests is, uh, and it, I suspect maybe a little bit different answer coming from your uh, perspective, but what does barbecue mean to you? Well, I mean, I it's the one thing, like, uh, I love the people who are great at it, but for me, it's the one thing where I'm like, I can cook a steak. You know, it's uh, I don't cook much because I'm usually on the road and I get yeah. a free meal when I perform or... So I, I, I love it. And, you know, yeah. our summers are so short, certainly in Alberta, that yes. when it's barbecue time, you know, I, I, we have friends that barbecue at, at 30 below. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. It, yep. but, but it's something that I have a cousin that lives just down the road and he has a, a smoker and does, you know, s- smokes them or, or, you know, does them in an yeah. egg. And I, I'm a huge fan. I, I've been a Oops. big fan of bar. And I've had a chance to tour Texas a lot. So I got yes. to have some, the first time I had brisket, a very funny comedian friend of mine, Olivia, she took me for my first like Texas barbecue and mm-hmm. to get to have, you know, brisket and, and ribs and everything that were her husband. Oh, Hugh does incredible barbecue. So I, I, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a big fan. Yep. No, I get down to, or used to get down to Texas fairly regularly with work. So, uh, itch, itching to get back down there. So yeah, once everything calms down a little, eh? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you mentioned obviously, uh, the entertaining kind of in the blood, uh, when did you start gravitating, gravitating towards the comedy side of things? Well, I really thought I was going to be a musician, you know, I, mm-hmm. uh, that's what the parents did. I loved, I loved being on stage. I loved performing, but I was, I mean, really a terrible, terrible rhythm, ter- can't <laughs> carry a tune in a bucket. I had bands in high school. So as I look back on things, I always loved jokes and I collected yep. jokes growing up, had joke books growing up and collected jokes pretty much from the time I was six years old till forever. And then yeah. during the late eighties, early nineties, when Annie's evening at the improv was on, I mean, I couldn't get enough. I was just glued to the TV when, when the comedians were on and would memorize the uh, comedians acts, you know, 14, 13, 14 years old, I could do, entire sets of some of the comedians that were on Annie's evening at the improv. And yeah. I gave up on my air quotes dream of being a comedian or about being a musician when I was about 20 or 21. The last time I was on stage was around then and realized, I mean, I was just terrible. at it. <laughs> that wasn't going to do it. Eh? Yeah. And so for, you know, I was a casino dealer while I was going to university and, and I came back from working the cruise ships in 2002 and I had always thought about stand-up comedy, always loved stand-up comedy. But in 2003, I signed up for an open mic and prepared for probably six weeks for this five-minute yeah. spot. 
And in, yep. in uh, May of 2003, I did my first set. And I remember being on stage and I have video of it. It's uh, hard to watch. I got laughs, but it was definitely, sure. like, you look like an amateur. And so yep. um, it, this first set went well. And I remember being on stage and I thought about all the years of like being in drama and trying to be in plays and trying to play music and telling jokes for the first time in 2003 mm-hmm. and going, oh, this was it the whole time. So, you know, I had started really applying myself in 2004 and for the past 16 years, I've done more than 400 shows a year for, for, and I mean, it feels like I've been doing it for a year, you know, and here I look back over a 17 year career and think like, wow, it's taken me to some of the most exotic places in the world. And some of the, you know, I've been, man, I've been blessed. It's been, it's been really, been really lucky. Well, that's awesome. So you, you kind of sent me some uh, bit of background info, and you've certainly, you know, had some uh, some pretty big uh, performances, accolades, just for laughs. The Comedy Network special, Melbourne uh, International Comedy Festival. So maybe talk a little bit about the path from that first open mic show in two thousand three to getting to that level. What's the what's the in between? Well, I think it's just the hard work. It's you yeah. know, and this is. It's going to sound a little bit cheesy to try and apply it to this, but I will because I think it does apply. When somebody doesn't know how to barbecue, I enjoy watching a show about barbecue. And right. and to see somebody who really doesn't understand a lot of stuff about the preparation that goes into being good at barbecue. And then, and then also, I think in order to become great at anything, you really just have to love it. You know, there's mm-hmm. you know, there's real money in barbecue, but people wouldn't know, you know, it's just barbecue. Yeah, but there are people that are great at it. And so... Yep. You know, I in 2004, I had won this big comedy competition. I was the funniest new amateur in all of Alberta. And that okay. put, put me out on the road as an opening act. And meanwhile, at the same time, just doing spots everywhere where there was a microphone in a crowd. So you just do it again and again and again and again and again. And there's no secret. There's no tricks. If anybody mm-hmm. wants to be good at anything, whether it's ballroom dancing or woodworking or barbecuing or comedy or music, you just have to immerse yourself in it. And yeah, so the, the I repetition. Did, yeah, really. And and then deliberate practice. So, you know, I won this competition, luckily, and then I got out on the road and started really working. And then five years later, I was so busy with comedy that I had to quit my day job. And it wasn't, wow. you know, people, people often give me credit, like, oh, so brave to take the leap into being a full time mm-hmm. comedian. I'm like, I, I was making more money doing comedy than I was at my day job. Right. And I was like, I have no choice but to quit my day job. So it was an, it was necessary. I, you know, I was blessed that way. Lots of nice. work in Western Canada, around the world. And then, you know, you, you showcase regu- you know, regularly for the Halifax Comedy Festival or just for laughs right. or, you know, so you're going to be doing a lot of showcasing. Um, so the talent scout comes out and, and takes a look at you and you send tape and submit things like that. And so, you know, in 2010, I got just for laughs. And then I think also in 2010, I recorded my first comedy special for the comedy network and you know since then we've done cbc and ctv and all kinds of Mm -hmm. uh, halifax comedy festival tv tapings and everything and you know there's a big casino just outside of edmonton like right on the fringe of edmonton called the river cree resort and casino yeah Yeah, stayed there yeah a beautiful and so they have a 2000 seat venue okay and they opened up i think in 2009 and so by this time i was a pretty good opening act and i was headlining a few places and then they started using local comedians to open for some of the big name acts that were coming through. Uh, so, yep. 
you know, my first, the per- first person I opened for was Martin Short. And the show went well. You're doing 15 or 20 minutes in front of 2,000 people. It's a relatively easy gig if you're mm-hmm. ready for it. You know, if you're good, if you're course, good yeah, yeah. 20 minutes is, you know. And so, yep. and so the first show went well. And I remember all of the entertainment staff. There was five of them. And I remember walking down the stairs of the stage. You know, Martin Short had just taken the stage. And I walked down the stairs. And all five of them were standing there like, that was awesome. And I'm like, oh, well, I mean, thank you. It was a nice crowd. It's Friday yeah. night, 2,000 people. Yep. And they, the, the director of um, entertainment said, we'll be sending you the contract for Joan Rivers tomorrow. And so from that, I got, you know, Joan Rivers and Bob nice. Saget, Jeff Foxworthy, Jay Moore, Kathleen Madigan. Like, they've been, they, I've been absolutely spoiled to have this mm-hmm. beautiful venue that, that's used me to open for Roseanne Barr, all these, you know, great legends. Big, real legends. big names, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then if you do your job with them, you know, you do your time and you sometimes you'll get a list like Roseanne Barr would have a list of this is what you we need you to stay away from the Kardashians okay. and Trump and, and Costco and whatever, you know, her set list would be. So right, if right. you do your job, when they come back through, they want to use you again because you were fun sure. and you did what you were told. And you're just a professional. Yeah. And so yep. I ended up getting to tour with Bob Saget and Joan Rivers and Kathleen Madigan. Like I, I've been really, really blessed, but it's just based on just a complete and total love of this crazy comedy thing you know I, it's all yeah. it's all it's all i've ever wanted to do when i look back to six-year-old lars and think uh, yeah. collecting these jokes and watching Annie's evening at the improv and being like this is magic <laughs> yeah so and it probably varies from performer to performer but those kind of big names you talked about that you open for what kind of interaction are you getting with them at any at all or does it well yeah vary from I always want to, um, I never want to presume be, you know, Oh, we're pals. Like that's not, yeah. Oh yeah. That, I never, of course. Yeah. I just want to do my job, but every one of them wanted to hang out and chat. Every one of them, oh, yeah. you know, so the first time I met Bob Saget, I think I've opened for him three or four times now. And the very first time I met him, they take you back there to meet him. Hi, I'm Lars on your opening act. Great. How much time do you want? Is there anything you don't want me to talk mm-hmm. about? But I was like, not nah, do it or do, do whatever you want to do. And, um, then, okay, well, I'll let you be. And you go to leave the dressing. I'm like, ah, sit down, chat. And so most of them have been like, ah, hang out. And, nice. you know, somebody like Joan Rivers, she was, uh, you know, I toured with her a lot and just so gracious. Like mm-hmm. they, they want to hang out and talk comedy. They're, com- these are comedians and, and they don't, they didn't feel like the Bob Saget from full house. It felt like you were hanging yeah. out with another comedian who wanted to sit in the back. And I remember how, how truly, um, how nice, they've all been and Bob's you know when the when they were building the venue early on in the early days of the River Cree the green room didn't have a washroom you actually had to go outside and use a porta potty so if it was the star they would take you you know into like a a nice area but so Bob Saget was gonna send out this tweet and he was like hey I bet you could find it um he's like hey do you think this is too mean and he's sending out a tweet about a porta potty so here he is genuinely caring that he doesn't want to make the venue look bad he doesn't want to make right, the, right. You know, the river creek look bad he was like do you think this is no oh my god it's actually funny and it was yeah, funny okay. and well written so yep. just truly gracious and like as nice as could be you, you just feel like you're hanging out with one of your peers even though you know here's somebody who's who was discovered by rodney dangerfield in the 70s and and went on to megastardom you know so yeah just hanging out chatting with them. i mean jeff foxworthy was was so nice i opened for him for two shows and i went out my friend glenn and i you know growing up he said do you remember that jeff foxworthy cassette we used to have and it was like this 
flashback of like, oh, I forgot all about that. And we wore yeah. this cassette out. And yeah. I remember going back and saying to, to Jeff Foxworthy, like, you had this bit on that cassette that was one of the best bits I've ever heard. And I wouldn't normally do another comedian's material to them. Like, that's mm -hmm. a little bit like gauche. Like, it's a little, you know, yeah. you just yep. be cool, relax. And um, they're just people. But I had to tell him about this. I'm like, this bit is so well written. And I was doing his bit to him, and we were both gut laughing. And for the, you know, for anybody who's listened to it, you could probably find it on YouTube. But when he was in his 20s, he was having a, his car repossessed. So they showed up okay. like, you haven't, you haven't made a payment in six months. And he was like, well, here's the keys. Like, you can t take the car. And they're like, well, unless you can give us $500. Like we'd need five hundred dollars to bring you up to you know current with your payments, and he's like five hundred dollars. I don't have five hundred dollars. And they go, could you write us a check? And he goes, no, I can't. A check? I can write you a check. I thought you <laughs> wanted money. And he's like, I'll just pay the whole thing off right now. Yeah. <laughs> and how well written this entire bit was, and that nice. whole CD or that whole album was just exceptional. And so you're just hanging out, having a laugh with them. They're they're all they've all been really really nice. Kathleen Madigan yeah. has become a friend and you know it's funny to just receive a text from somebody who's you know Brad Garrett sends you a text message and you're like hey it's just you know not to drop yeah. too many names but no uh, but yeah it's uh yeah yeah it kind of sounds similar to the to the barbecue community honestly uh I've had the opportunity to have, in Texas uh to meet some of the uh kind of the biggest names in barbecue and the restaurant side of things and they're just normal people and you know you you look at them as kind of being these, uh, you know, up on an altar or something. But when you do get to meet with them and uh, and talk with them, they're just regular people, and they're they're happy to sit around and talk barbecue. So it sounds very similar to what yeah, you're talking about. Yeah, and the reason they got great at it was because of their passion for it. So when they have yes. somebody that 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 don't ask the basic questions, like as soon as somebody asks mm -hmm. a high level question about something, and you realize that they have some knowledge in it. Now you, mm -hmm. you can see them light up. I bet you you've seen yeah. them go, oh, well, okay, now yeah. let's get yeah. into this. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. you know what you're talking about a little. Let's, uh, yeah. yeah, let's talk. Yeah, <laughs> let's get into it, yeah. Uh, talk about your comedy style. I was watching some of the clips and stuff you sent me. Uh, uh, just How would you describe your style? Well, you know, I, I didn't realize this until probably the last three or four years, but I, I, believe, that, I, I believe that audiences are genius. I really believe that, you know, the, a crowd is a genius. There's a great book called Wisdom of Crowds. Like crowds overall really know their stuff. And if a crowd decides they like what you're doing or they don't like what you're doing or they buy into like what your style is. And my dad was, I'll give you a cheesy example of, of something and then that'll lend itself to what mm -hmm. I, my style, if, if you want to call it that. Um, my dad always was very, he passed away in 2001, but very tongue in cheek. Mm -hmm. It was always comedy understated under your breath but always very clever and so i remember mm -hmm. sitting around i was working a cruise ship and you know there was a bunch of us sitting around it was christmas day so we're on a cruise ship in christmas a uh, christmas day and somebody said you know it's really hard being away from your family for christmas and i said yeah i know it's really it is tough to be away from your family we're you know and it's it's nice that we're all in the same boat and probably 12 of the 20 people like titter hee hee like we're yeah. all in the same boat. We're all sitting on a cruise ship at Christmas. And and it was if you were paying attention to what my dad was saying when he was talking, you could see that there was these jokes that were mm -hmm. there deliberately, but it was in passing. It was under yeah. your breath, just kind of in you it was mentioned in a clever way 
so that if you weren't paying attention, it would just go over your head. And it was never yeah. pretentious. It was always almost for the people who, um, who would get it. And yeah. so if I, you know, if you're headlining a club, you'll usually do 45 to 60 minutes. And what I find is if I, you know, get people into my rhythm and style, I can, by the end of the show, they've, they've really started to catch on to what I'm doing that by the end I can do what this, and I mean, my material's not overly smart. It's clever at best, but mm -hmm. by the end of it, they're, they're right into it. They're buying into yeah. it. And so, um, I find that, and I didn't realize it was so based on my dad's, you know, sense of humor mm -hmm. that I, I like it when an audience picks up on what I'm doing prior to me getting to a punchline. And oftentimes I won't. So I wrote a joke recently and I think it really is, it really sums up my comedy. And then the joke is, you know, there was a, in the sixties or seventies, there was this woman who invented a thing that would help you retrieve your cans from the back of your pantry or cupboard. You just turned it and then you got your cream corn. You turned it. Hey, there's my soup. Did they call her innovative Susan? <laughs> Did they call yep. her inventor Susan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so the idea of implying lazy Susan to me is mm -hmm. I like it in that the audience will laugh because I don't actually have to say it. It's, yeah. it's implied enough and spelled out enough and they uh, painted the visual. So, you know, I like it when the audience is laughing at something, you know, I have a silly joke about daylight savings time. It was daylight savings time last night. And the joke is, you know, I like daylight savings time. It's the only night of the year I can make love for an hour and three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I caught that one on your, uh, one of the clips I was watching. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so the silliness of that, I, yes. I really just kind of lead the audience to water and then just let them get it on their own. Let them let, leave and, it hanging out there. And uh, right. And the yeah. audiences, like I said, I believe audiences and crowds are genius. And so I'm not doing it because I want people to miss the jokes. I like it when it raises, the, like they come up to where you are and mm -hmm. figure out your sense of humor. And then they're just along for the ride after that. So I, I mean, I, I absolutely love it. Like I love the implied comedy, you know? So, yep. Yeah. Wit witty was the word I wrote down here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And yep, I, yep. thanks. That's a nice compliment. Yep. Yeah, and you keep it clean. I noticed as well. So. Yeah, that wasn't deliberate, yeah. you know. Language-wise, at least, yeah. Sure. I mean, yep. when you record for CBC or a lot of those, you're doing cleaner stuff. Mm -hmm. But I always just kind of wrote cleaner from the very beginning. Like, I always mm -hmm. thought that that clever style was was what made me laugh. Like, I remember watching a very funny comedian named Dimitri Martin. And he did a TV taping for Just for Laughs. And I was in the crowd. I was way in the back. So hopefully they, they didn't hear it. But I remember him starting a joke and I realized where the joke was going and I burst out laughing because I realized where the joke was headed. And I, I had to stop myself because here was this quiet theater and just all of a sudden you just hear this giant laugh. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh. Like I didn't yeah. mean to do it. It was it was involuntary. <laughs> but the joke was it would be it would be terrible to be a telemarketer. And I'm paraphrasing Dimitri Martin's joke because you could never phone in sick for work. Like you'd phone in and you go, I can't make it to work. I'm not feeling well. They're like, well, you called us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I remember when he started the joke and I laughed so hard and it was always like, for me, that's the, the, the wittiness of that. And, and yeah. that's my sense of humor. Just, just really latches onto that kind of stuff where I'm like, Oh my goodness, is that ever clever? Just such a, yeah. such a brilliant, you know, so many brilliant writers that can do that. Um, you know, a lot of them better than I can. 
Yeah, well, no, that's awesome. Uh, I'm going to take just a real quick pause for a word from our Alberta Podcast Network sponsor. And then uh, when, coming back, want to talk with Lars about uh, some of his comedy inspirations and some of the other stuff he's been doing lately. So we'll be right back. This episode of the Eat More Barbecue Podcast is brought to you in part by ATB Financial. If you're wondering about how to manage your finances, rebuild emergency savings, or continue to save for your child's education, ATB can help. ATB was built to answer Alberta's financial questions in tough times. ATB was built to help Albertans. For answers to your questions, and to learn more, visit atb.com. All right, everybody, thank you for uh, joining us here. I'm back with uh, Lars Callio from Edmonton, comedian. Uh, talk about some of your comedy inspirations. You've talked about some of the the bigger names, I guess, that you've had the opportunity to work with, but uh, I guess kind of as you were developing your, your style and your your act any uh inspirations there yeah and this is one of the best comedians i've ever watched he lives in toronto now but he's moved all around he lived in los angeles and san francisco and and vancouver and he's just pound for pound one of the best comedians i've ever worked with and ever seen live and his name's rob pew p-u-e so mm-hmm. rob pew uh, he has a couple of albums i think that are on itunes and spotify and everything he, watching him and having the chance to watch somebody like this who continually tweaked the material so i would watch him do a joke on a monday and by saturday the joke would have been changed by 20 percent or 30 percent and his word choice was always perfect and he always he's just incredible at, at painting a picture in your mind's eye and allowing people to use their imagination you can see what's you can watch the story in your mind as he's telling this rob Pugh, mm-hmm. and then to see how hard he worked early on you know i think he was 17 or 18 when he started and he's a couple years younger than i am so he's well over 20 years into comedy right he was the first canadian to win the san francisco comedy competition at 25 years old and he is uh, that getting to watch somebody who wanted it that badly that wanted to be mm-hmm. good that badly to to watch somebody who would be willing to go to karaoke nights and music open mics and anywhere where there was a microphone he really showed me what work ethic was supposed to be and also how to play with the material and allow it to breathe so that it it, it really it's in cheesy word used, but fluid. It's very, you can allow it to change and develop into what it is almost it want, what it wants to become. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I would be reluctant to compare comedians to Michelangelo, but I will for a moment. And that Michelangelo said when he was carving, he didn't carve the piece. The piece always existed in that piece of granite and he just let it out. And yep. so you can, it just was there the whole time. You just had to, you just had to let it out. And I think a lot of times jokes, the audience will teach you what you need to about that joke, the best the timing of it and the best word choice and the right. And I remember I have a joke where I use the word five hours and there's a great comedian out of New Zealand, Andre King, one exceptional joke writer. Andre King is just a fantastic joke writer. And I walk off stage, we're doing some shows in Vietnam and I walk off stage and I'd said five hours. And so that was the joke reference five hours. And I walked off stage and he said six and I knew the second he said six, I knew, oh, six is better than five. The, the sound of the word, the hard K almost at the end of six, like it's okay. And, and as soon as he said it, I realized he was right. And the next show I went up and used six instead of six hours. I was like, oh, he was I, I, I the second he said it, I knew uh, that he was right. And so right. watching Rob Pugh do that 
you know, I hear a comedian do a joke and they reference a vehicle. Like, let's say they say a Ford Ranger. And I go, is Ford Ranger the funniest truck that you could have right. used for that joke? Is there a funnier one? Is there one that, that people's minds would latch onto quicker? And and I often wonder, and I don't, I'm not preaching when it comes to other people's material. They can certainly, of course, but, you know, yeah. But, yeah. but I'm like, I wonder if that's the funniest one. Because Rob Pugh would always have changed that truck five times and by the time he got to number six he would have known you know what the funny got one the right was. one yeah, yeah he's uh, just exceptional just a really funny comedian interesting um just kind of linking it to make a, a barbecue analogy i guess here um they talk about if you're changing something and how you let's say brisket you're cooking a brisket and you want to change something only change one thing at a time uh, so you can measure the result right so if it's a seasoning thing is that something with if you're honing a joke in are you changing one thing at a time or do you perfect analogy perfect analogy because you have to know the variables of that mm-hmm. barbecue yeah, i mean something exactly. like barbecue that is so i mean, comedy and food r- really you know um they're so subjective in that or objective mm-hmm. like people like what they like you know maybe somebody has i i don't i don't know how you feel about this but whenever somebody goes i don't like spicy food and i'm like well like really like, you know, for me, I don't want yeah. something crazy hot, but I like it to have flavor or different flavors. Yeah. I like to experience different things. And so if you're changing too many variables at once, you don't know what worked and what didn't because you have right. to know for the sake of this particular this particular dish what it was that made it good or what it was that mm-hmm. made it bad. And so Rodney Dangerfield, the way that I heard this, I've heard this story, so I've never read it or verified it, so take it with a grain of salt. Um, you sure. know, a story passed through the generations. Of but course, yeah. The, the legend was that Rodney would tell a joke, remove one word, tell a joke. Um, sorry about that. I got a... Yep, it's all good. Um, <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield would tell a joke, remove a word, tell a joke, remove a word, tell a joke, remove a word. And he, until he removed a word and the joke didn't work, and then he put the last word back in. And so what that allowed for was an economy of words. If it's an unnecessary mm-hmm. word... And so I imagine, like, I I love somebody that can cook, and I especially yep. love it when they do it well. And yep. and so that when you're like, oh man, this, but you don't realize the ten thousand hours of trial and error that that person put into becoming great at this thing, you know. So exactly, so it's exactly the same. And and you have to know, you you have to know what it was about that that made it work and what didn't. And and that comes, you know. I can eat a gas station sub when I'm on the road and enjoy that. And and sure, you know, I've had. You know some incredible meals at some really nice restaurants but i i appreciate the people that their palate is a little more refined than yours you know whether it's a sommelier with wine or somebody that can barbecue they're like oh i think that there's just a bit too much pepper or there wasn't you know this there wasn't yeah. you know marinated long enough or whatever it was and i'm like oh i had no idea but you know it's, it's but fun. it's good yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. when somebody's great at it i love it watch somebody who's yeah. interested in their field yeah, it's funny. I was t- I was out uh, did a podcast with a, a bison ranch in Olds, Alberta last week, and we were eating some of the meat there and comparing it to beef. And I said, you know, I can't, I don't have the palate to pick out exactly what it is, but there's just something that tiny little bit different from from beef, right? And yeah. I, you know, something. But, uh, yeah. I'm sure somebody with a more refined palate would be able to tell me exactly what that one thing is, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not quite there, so. <laughs> That's all right. You're, you're probably a lot closer than I am. So yeah, well, I mean, who knows? Yeah, uh, the Okanagan Comedy Festival. That's something that you started up. Yeah. So uh, you know, there's a bunch of fun little things about stand-up comedy that I think 
if people explained it to you, you would go, oh, that makes sense. And if, if you hadn't ever thought about it. So what I've always done in my career was found the places that were hardest to fill those weeks and then filled them first. So basically okay. do the hard work first. And then after that, everything's a little bit easier. The hardest week to book in Canada, if you're a Canadian comedian or music, no, I imagine musicians have a bit of an easier time. But if you're a Canadian comedian, the toughest week to book was always the week before Labor Day. Okay. Everybody is trying to get out to the lake one last time. Everybody yep. is trying to get out to the beach. Everyone's trying to get camping. Everybody wants to feel like they had a summer and they realize as they get to the end of August, they're like, oh Whoa. man, I haven't gone out enough. I haven't done enough and kids are going to be going back to school. So that week before Labor Day in August, usually almost always, you know, late August, yep. was always so hard to get a booking because everyone was outdoors. Everyone was on mm -hmm. a patio. Everybody was camping or doing something like that. And so what I did was I go, okay, I'm going to start a comedy festival that week. And I was working on a cruise ship as a comedian and I was in Jamaica and I got to take this like pontoon boat out and, and take it for a little bit of a, a drive around Jamaica. Yep. And then I thought I've never been on a houseboat. So in 2015, I rented a houseboat and I brought 13 other comedians and we used that as our accommodations for the week. And I started the Okanagan Comedy Festival. One, the okay. Okanagan's beautiful. So you're in Colombia, Vernon, yeah. Penticton, and, you know, yeah. we're, we're all around there. And, and so I started in 2015 with the help of a, a local promoter in a uh, very funny comedian, wonderfully funny comedian, David Kopp is his name. And so started it in 2015 and, you know, I paid for the advertising and the posters and the hotels and the venue, like the radio ads. So I paid for everything. And um, after running it for about three years, I realized I don't know anything about running a comedy festival. I performed at yeah. all these comedy festivals. I've just never run one. Yeah. And so... I, re I what I did was I reached out to the person who runs one of the best comedy festivals in the entire country. So the Hubcap Comedy Festival in Moncton is if okay. you live on the East Coast, you and you haven't been to the Hubcap Comedy Festival. It's in February. Um, just amazing. You get treated yep. like gold. The shows are stacked with great comics. And so I called Robert Glant, uh, the guy who runs that festival. I reached out to him and I said, I said, hey, I have this comedy festival in the Okanagan. How would you feel about like running it for me? Because I I'm trying, but I three years in I'm you know losing a bunch you know thousands of dollars every year, and and I yep. want it to be something that's has some longevity. And he took right. a look at everything I'd done and and said yeah, he said I'm in. And so this was the fourth year. This would have been the fourth year with Robert Gallant. And so he's brought on you know he's brought on CBC. He's the one who came up with the idea to do the shows a bunch of shows at wineries. He really nice. is a he is a wizard at what he does, and so I essentially hired my own boss because I was in over my head. And yep. you know the old adage: surround yourself with people smarter than you. And that's yeah. basically what I've done my whole career is just surrounded myself with people smarter. And so for the past seven years, you know, this year we we didn't do it because of COVID. Of course, but yeah. For yep. the past seven years, I've been booked the week before mm -hmm. Labor Day, and beautiful. So, yeah, it's been pretty lucky. Yeah, I've heard I've heard the saying: if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I yeah. can't think of too many times I was the smartest person in the room. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you and me both. <laughs> uh, and then you you touched on uh, obviously COVID has kind of thrown a a wrench into everything for uh, most of us this year. Uh, the fire pit comedy tour. Yeah, uh, th that's kind of how I seeing your stuff on Twitter. That's kind of how I. Uh, 
got in uh, got in touch with you. So what's uh, yeah. what's that all about? So I was in Australia um, at the beginning of March. So you know I spend three months, four months overseas each year, and there's so many great English speaking comedy clubs in Asia. You might not think about it, but there's a lot of expats mm-hmm. over there, so English teachers sure. and, and the like. And so you tour Australia for about two and a half months or three months, and then you go do three or four weeks in Asia and you can play all these amazing comedy clubs, all English speaking comedy clubs. And so, right. um, so that's usually what I do from March until about the end of May. And I was, I landed in Perth on March 8th, I believe it was. And so we did the first week in Perth and then we were flying to do a week of shows in Tasmania, which is, here's a fun little fact that I always forget to mention. So the Island of Tasmania, that's just off the coast of Australia is almost the exact same flight distance and ferry distance that newfoundland is so mm-hmm. like 10 hour ferry ride or like a you know n- to okay. a 90 minute flight and so tasmania and newfoundland have real parallels as far as the distance from their their respective countries but it's Mainland, a lot of fun yeah. and so yep. so i was i landed at the melbourne airport and we were on our way to tasmania and covid i mean march 17th yep. and it was just the world was shutting down and so here you are mm-hmm. in an international airport trying to decide what yeah. to do yeah and so um i went to my favorite my favorite pub in australia it was saint patrick's day and so i went to the yes. Exford pub <laughs> celebrated saint patrick's day in melbourne before flying home and locking down for a month yeah. but they opened up outdoor gatherings and and all i've ever wanted to do is be on stage you know mm-hmm. and there was no other motivation there was no you know so they said that you could have outdoor gatherings and i I thought to myself, wait a minute, I could do shows in people's yards and that would have, it would fall within Alberta health guidelines. Right. And, and so I put on Twitter on April 29th, if anybody wants a show, comedy show in their backyard, I'll bring a speaker and I'll do a show for you. Thinking that I would do 10 of them. Like I thought eight right. would be a, a highball number. And then mm-hmm. the CTV news heard about it and chorus radio featured us nationally in the Edmonton journal. And so if people want to see some fun stuff, they don't have to like the page. They can, if they like, but if yep. you look at the fire pit, and so we made fire pit all one word, the autocorrect yep. probably picked some, but fire pit comedy tour. So the fire yep. pit comedy tour page on Facebook has show has pictures from all 160 shows. So we ended yes. up doing 162 shows in 147 days. So from May wow. 2nd until September 27th, we were just full throttle, like just pedal to the metal. And we were doing shows, shows, shows. And a friend of mine from Australia sent me a message on Facebook and he said, you realize that you're the busiest comedian in the world right now? Yeah, probably are, yeah. And it wasn't, you know, I didn't think it would be take off the way it did. And it was, um, it certainly helped um, my sanity and Mm -hmm. I just wanted to perform. So the idea, you know, we would really, we were extra cautious in that, you know, we kept the numbers quite small and we, we asked people to keep their back gate open, like keep your gate open because, you know, we won't touch your gate. We won't touch your food or your drinks. Right. Um, yep. And so then we would go and do the show, do a 60 or 70 minute comedy show and then pack up and head on to the next show. And yeah. the, the interest, the lack of sports to watch and the fact that it was starting oh, to yeah. warm up and, you know, yep. it was it was perfect. So, you know, I think that one of the things we could do is uh, offer them a comedy show barbecue. You know, if things are safer. Yeah. In 2021, yep. we'll there come down to your area and go like, we're yep. going to cook you the best meal you've ever had and put on a comedy show for you and, and do that as a hybrid. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Bring the bring the whole party, right? 
and you've done some uh, some military tours as well. Yeah, you know that was uh, Olivia, who we were talking about, who lives in Texas. She was right. looking. Um, she's done military tours for her entire twenty year career, so I think she's upwards of like forty five or fifty countries she's performed in, and. So she started sending me on military tours in 2010. So 2010, 2011, I did Kuwait and Iraq, and she sent me to Dubai, Abu Dhabi, and Kyrgyzstan. And the flight, the flight home from Kyrgyzstan was 37 hours. That's the longest I've ever <laughs> spent in flights in the airport. It was far. I remember it being Kyrgyzstan, Istanbul, Istanbul, Frankfurt, Frankfurt, Toronto, Toronto, Edmonton. And it was yeah, like, yeah, a, a lot of, you know, so... Those shows, you know, as we come up on Remembrance Day or Veterans Day mm-hmm. in the U.S., U.S. Um, I, I never want to, I never want it to sound like I'm paying lip service. So I want you to know this is very sincere and mm-hmm. and from the heart. I think that the shows that I've done for the military and probably all together, maybe around forty, those ones are the most special because I believe that comedians and entertainers owe a little bit more to the military than the average person. So the fact that I can stand on stage and say what I want and I have this mm-hmm. freedom of speech and somebody sacrificed for that, when I go do the military tours and the military shows, they are so special. And and I think there's a fun. <laughs> so I when we were doing Kuwait and Iraq, they don't have alcohol in any of the bases. So they were Muslim right. countries, so they didn't have any alcohol in the bases. And I mm-hmm. would say at the end of each show, if you see me perform somewhere where they serve alcohol in North America, or if you see me somewhere, come up and tell me you saw me at a base in Iraq, and I will right. pay for your drinks for the rest of the night. And from 2010 and 2011, three times, and I've never mentioned that on any social media anywhere, I just said that on the bases yeah. there. So three times I've had somebody come up and say, I was on a base in Iraq, I saw you perform there, and I go, let's belly up to the bar, drinks are on me. Yep. And, and yep. they're like, no, no, I wasn't trying to get for drinks. I'm like, nope, come on. And and matter, so, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, 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 so oh, such an honor. Um, that's funny. My phone's like, um, and so those shows and so the Canadian ones we've done, one of the shows that was on my bucket list for mm-hmm. 10 years was to do Canadian forces station alert. And okay. so the northernmost manned outpost yep. on the planet earth is Canadian forces station alert. It's, it's the North pole. And so yep. last December I got to do a show Awesome. In, in alert and so you're there for 10 days 11 days and and i was yeah. there with this fantastic band ambush is the name of the band they're from kingston and so okay. wonderful guys too with just one of the best party bands i've ever seen just brilliantly talented and yep. so look up ambush ambush army is all their social media ambush is so fantastic so i got to go there and, and the year uh canada day of 2019 i got a chance to work with dean brody in turkey so we did a show right. on the back of a canadian naval frigate and um, just really, really, it's such an honor. And, you know, yeah. I, I say, you know, I, I never want people to think I'm pandering. I mean it with all. No, no, it's, yep, so absolutely. So great. Excellent. Uh, so alert, how many people would be stationed up there? Between 80 and, and 120, depending on the time okay. of the year. So right. they're close to Russia. It was put up there in 1950. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it's, you know, during the height of the, you know, the start of the Cold War, and they put it up there to spy on Russia. And so yeah. there's a there's a contingent of American military, and yep. then Canadian military, then the people who look after the base, and then also environment people from Environment Canada. And okay, well, yeah. so we we got to go out and release weather balloons, and we got to go drill oh, holes in the Arctic Ocean. And so yeah, so it's uh, so. you know a, a weather station as well as it is a military mm-hmm. 
military outpost. Yep. But it was, yeah. I mean, really the, the trip of a lifetime. It was such an honor. Awesome. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah, so you're getting to do some other stuff while you're there, not just the performing, right? Yeah, yeah they, they really spoiled us. They took us and did it everything we would. They took us and see there's a pack of wolves up there that, you know, it's probably 10 or 12 wolves. They took us to see that and, and took mm-hmm. us all around. And I think that the coolest part, if you ever get to go to Alert, this, is, this was the highlight for me and one of the reasons I really wanted to go. If they take you to the north edge of the base, the military base, um, CFS Alert, and you mm-hmm. go past the group you're with north. So if you, let's say you and I were there and I were to yeah. walk six feet north past you, you are the northernmost human being on the planet earth crazy and so that moment where you are standing at the top of the world and you're yeah. the northernmost person on the entire planet is a pretty cool you know you, you're like wow yeah. this is this is good special and flying over iraq i got to see um mesopotamia like where where mm-hmm. where that and then um babylon they've rebuilt babylon so if people are okay, you know, looking yeah. for a cool picture just google like Babylon rebuilt and we've I've seen it from the back of a Black Hawk helicopter so it's been a yeah. man I've there's not a moment I wake up and I don't think uh, this is I'm the luckiest yeah. person in the world yeah some amazing experiences yeah uh, so what would you say the uh, and I could you know for whatever reason you want the best venue you've played it would be oh good question um i got well tough to so wow uh standing on the back of um standing on the back of a canadian naval frigate so okay, we were on yeah. the back of the hmcs toronto and yeah. that was i mean one of the coolest places i've ever performed is on the back of a naval yeah. frigate um, yep. so uh you know every, i this the, the venue was a good question because that one's tough to answer mm-hmm. um you know the show's in alert i i would i'd wanted that for 10 years and so that yeah. for me um, Antarctica is next on my bucket list. I want to perform in Antarctica. That's that's yeah, one of the places yeah. I'd like to go. But cool, you know, whenever you go to a small-ish town on a Saturday night, I think is one of yeah. the most fun. So you could be in Turtleford, Saskatchewan, or Winkler, Manitoba, or the yeah. Pa, or you could be in you know some small town, Kenora. You for that moment you get to feel what it's like to be a russell peters or a kevin hart yeah, because yeah. you're the star yeah. of that town for the night you yeah. roll into town and say uh you know innisvale and there is a big event a fundraiser for something and and there's mm-hmm. two or three hundred people there and for that night you're the you're the star and so those right. moments are pretty cool where you get to feel like yeah. a, a real celebrity for a night but i i as, as cheesy as it sounds i love everywhere i go and yeah. there's moments I've, I've been standing in Singapore. So I, mm-hmm. I got to go back to Singapore for a beer fest, Asia. And so they, Hey, we nice. saw you at this comedy festival. Could you come back for beer fest, Asia? We'd like to hire you. We're doing a comedy club during the beer fest. And uh, I was like, absolutely. And I remember standing in Singapore being like, somebody flew me to Singapore so I could tell jokes. And I'm like, there's no part of my life when I thought that this would, this could be a thing. And no kidding, eh? so uh, Singapore is no kidding every bit as amazing as Estevan, Saskatchewan and, you know, Vernon or Penticton or Kamloops yep. or, you know, there's been so many funny moments where you're like, I can't believe I'm here, whether it's Whitehorse is such a great town to perform in. We did a little town yeah. called Carmax, you know, up everywhere. It's, yep. it's been, it's been a trip. Yeah. You've uh, done the big and the small, eh? Yeah. 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 Uh, let's talk a little food, any kind of memorable uh, food experiences while you've been traveling the world. Well, you know, I, I, Asia is amazing with how cheap it is, you know, so mm-hmm. Vietnam, Thailand. So, you know, you're usually there for 
four four to seven days and so you get a chance to go out and experience a lot of the food and the street food in yeah. vietnam is just so great late at night you're paying three dollars for this fantastic meal well five dollars would be like the top of it um the, the barbecue in texas fantastic you know that was the yeah. first time i got to have like texas barbecue so for me that was, yep. uh, it was i'm like it, and it lived up to the hype like i was like this is fantastic oh, yeah. and i think that yep. You know, I've I've gone to meet in Edmonton a few times. Yeah, and, and there's they a lot do of a great job. Yeah, so yeah, you know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, it wasn't, it hadn't traveled up here the way it has. I don't know exactly. Anyway. Yeah, no, it's, now it's, it's growing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so now you can get that Texas barbecue experience here. But back then, I was like, wow, I've never had anything like this. Um, at least mm-hmm. you know, in my circles. And so yeah, so uh, getting I, uh, pit beef in Baltimore. Yep. Okay. So, yeah. uh, pit beef in Baltimore was exceptional. Um, yeah. uh, I had a very, Mike Stork, a very funny comedian. Look up Mike Stork. He's wonderfully funny. So he took me around Baltimore and they're known for pit beef. So yeah, I've know, heard about it too. Mm, yeah. So it's like a, it's almost like a roast beefy sandwich, but it's done. Tri tip, I believe is the name of the, okay, yeah. the meat that they make gotcha, it with. Yeah. And it's very, you know, Baltimore is very famous for this, for this pit beef. I could be saying yes. it wrong and I could, but I think I have, I think, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And so I like to, what I do when I get to a city is I'll cross-reference three different websites with the top 10 burgers. So I'll go best burger, and I'll check three different ones. And if there's one sure. that's on there, like three, on all three of them, I'll go to that Pretty one. Safe bet, yeah. Yeah. So there was a guy, he's, he's um, no longer living, unfortunately, but in Seattle, there's a, there was a place called the Lunchbox Laboratory. So the Lunchbox mm-hmm. Laboratory, when you walked in, I ate there three times before they sold the franchise and the, and the owner had passed away. But you walk in and they had this giant, I mean, eight feet by six feet blackboard filled with chalk. And first you picked your kind of beef. And my memory yeah. was that you could have alligator or ostrich or elk okay. or oh, bison wow. or like beef or chicken or whatever you wanted. You would pick your beef and then you pick how you wanted it. You know, in the U.S., they can. I find it very strange that they make um, hamburgers like you can have a rare hamburger in the U.S. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's very strange to me. Um, but I always get mine well done. I'm like, mm, it's crazy. Anyway, so yeah. so you could pick your the kind of meat you wanted and then the kind of sauces and this giant and. So the, when people go, what's the best hamburger you've ever had? Lunchbox Laboratory in Seattle, hands down. Like nice. it, there was, I don't know if I've had one that was really close. And so I like to go experience those. And so um, my first time going to Chicago, the girl I was dating at the time came and we got to go experience. So um, she was, she scouted out all these places. And so the Chicago hot dogs Yep. are the best hot dogs in the world. And when you think, ah, can a hot dog really be better? Yeah, I, that's That was my attitude. I'm like, ah, hot dog's not going to be any better than your any other hot dog. Unbelievable. Yep. There's two places in, in Chicago to do them up. And so here's a fun little tidbit of food information. You can't get ketchup. So you go okay. into the hot dog places in Chicago and they're they're like we they don't let you put ketchup on your you can put mustard on it, but they won't let you put ketchup. Yep. There's no there's no ketchup anywhere in the place. And yep. um because I've always had such an affection for New York, I um, I wanted Chicago pizza to be garbage. <laughs> I went in with a chip on my shoulder. Yeah, and yeah. and so when we had Chicago deep dish pizza, so we went down to the pier and had it um, there. It was the best pizza I've ever had in my life. I mean, yeah. it really was. And you know, if you go to New York a lot, for, for my money, Joe's in New York. I, I'll have okay. Joe's. T- Every other night, I'll go in there, and Joe's is the way to go. And it's almost soup Nazi esque 
in that you got to have your cash in your hand and you got to be ready to go. That line's moving and you just yeah. go up and you're just like pepperoni and then you just give them, yeah. you know, you're out the door. And so, so, um, I like Joe's, but Chicago deep dish pizza, Chicago popcorn in Chicago yeah. was, is, I mean, people here have had probably Chicago mix, but to have yeah. it with like fresh cheese and fresh caramel and your, I mean, Chicago's food is just out of this yeah. world. Um, yep. uh, I've, there's a group that I work with in Australia and once a year they do a big barbecue during the Melbourne comedy festival. They do it during the Perth fringe festival and the Adelaide fringe okay. festival, but I, I often have it in Melbourne where they cook up all these different kinds of meat. So you get yep. to experience kangaroo steak and alli- uh, not, not alligator, pardon me, crocodile and Croc, yeah. you know, ostrich and all these. So these guys do a big barbecue of all these different mm-hmm. kind of wild animals in Australia. So that's always exceptional. Um, and the food in Australia, I mean, Melbourne, because it's so close to Asia, they really do have authentic almost everything. And right. the Greek community and Italian community that moved over after the First and Second World War to Australia, you can find some of the best Italian you've ever had in Australia, some of the best Greek food. There's a place in Melbourne called Stalactites. And there is, I don't know if there's a better after party drunk food than Stalactites in Melbourne, Australia. <laughs> nice. It's the greatest thing in the world. So, yep. yeah. So, as far as, food is concerned you know i've been like been so blessed with and i always you know i you, you ask them or if there if there's somebody famous for a dish you know like buffalo mm-hmm. or or chicago deep dish or you know you're yeah. going somewhere i always go with pit beef in baltimore or wherever right, i am yep. you know so philly cheese steaks I, I i'll go and try and find the original place yeah. that, that those are in and um some great um there's some great crab places in florida okay you know, so when you're in florida I, I want to say blue crab. Um, I can't remember. But anyways, the soft shell crab. And so I've been to a yeah. couple of those places. And I've been to a lot of islands in the Caribbean. So uh, Conch in Key West is fantastic. The crab cakes in Key West are out of this world. And so, nice. man, yeah, I've been. And, you know, when you're in the Bahamas, you come off and there's people often, oh, definitely jerk chicken in in Jamaica. Jamaica, like, yeah. Ooh, that that. Uh, out of this world yeah i would i would eat yep. that seven days a week yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> awesome uh where can folks uh find you get in touch with you lars um so uh social media at, on uh, instagram and twitter it's extra like the word extra e-x-t-r-a and then lars l-a-r-s ex, yep. uh, extra lars and so um uh, i follow everybody back so if you're if you're if you're listening to this just uh ex extra lars instagram and twitter and and um if I have a new album that should be ready in the next new comedy album, we recorded it in November, so it's a little late <laughs> getting to it. But um, I don't. I'll put it up on my website. People, it'll just be downloadable, you know. So I haven't updated my website in a while, but that's also extra Lars, um, and um, and so that album will be ready. I just give it away for free. I don't. I don't charge for for my stuff usually. Um, and also, if you have a, uh, if they want, if they have a favorite barbecue dish, I'm I'm a very novice barbecue person, so keep it very yep. elementary. But if they just email Lars at extralars.com with your with your favorite recipe, I'll give it a whirl. I'll take a crack at it. And and so awesome. like I said, keep it very simple because I'm very new to all of this. Nice. Hey, that's a great little challenge. Uh, so Lars, uh, last question I ask uh, everybody, and I guess you can change it around a little. Usually it's uh, barbecue folks I'm talking to, and I I'll ask them if you know it's dinner time. They got the smoker going. What's the go to? But uh, maybe you're uh, you're you're uh, you're traveling. What's your uh, what's your go-to meal? 
Well, so I, you know, I have a friend that, that owned um, all the Rick's Grill in Sherwood Park. And so he taught mm-hmm. me a lot about the different cuts of steak. He took me to the freezer and showed me, you know, a T-bone and a strip loin and like a lot, all that work. So I've always been a top sirloin guy, okay. medium rare top sirloin. If it ends up a little more on the rare side. Um, but uh, I think I would say a medium rare top sirloin. Um, what are we going to, a little bit of mushrooms on the side. I think uh, Caesar salad, um, but yeah, we'll go with uh, a medium rare top top sirloin. We could go with the New York, but it's I think I think we cheat towards towards that. And T bone, I'm I'm not a huge fan of that, but I've had I've had yeah. a couple of great ones. So you're not going to turn it down, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, big big <laughs> big fan. So and and uh, right on. Yeah. Well, Lars, uh, thanks so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Uh, hopefully, I can catch you down in Calgary one of these days, or if I'm up in Edmonton, and uh, yeah, looking forward to it. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate yep. it. Have a good one. Thank you all for tuning in. Thanks to Lars Calio for spending some time with me. I'm looking forward to meeting up with him in person sometime soon. And if you're in the mood for a few laughs, look him up on YouTube. I'll put the links in the show notes or search Lars Calio. That's C-A-L-L-I-E-O-U. This podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. This week's network shout-out goes to Press Start to Join. Hosts Josh and Alan discuss video games, movies, TV, comics, Star Wars, and more on this weekly podcast. Please visit www.albertapodcastnetwork.com for links to Press Start to Join and all the other great shows on the network. That's our wrap, everybody. See you all next week. Hey, friends. Thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to subscribe to the show, and I'd love it if you'd leave a rating and review. You can find me online at eatmorebarbecue.ca and also at albertabbqtrail.ca. Check out the listing of joints on the Barbecue Trail site and show them your support. If you're not in Alberta, get out and show your local barbecue joints some love. Give me a follow on Twitter at EatMoreBarbecue and on Facebook and Instagram at Eat underscore More underscore Barbecue. If you have any questions or guest suggestions, my email is EatMoreBarbecue at gmail.com. Thanks to Alan Horbin for the great music on this and every episode of the Eat More Barbecue podcast. This podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported, and is a production of Eat More Barbecue Digital Media. Till next time, folks, keep on smoking.